Good evening, everyone. My name is Steve Johnson. I am an elder at Agape Chicago. Uh, Agape Chicago is a church plant of Evanston Bible Fellowship. And I was quite pleased that Andy Hudson asked me to come in and speak. Um, I thank you, Andy, and it's a pleasure to be here to uh, serve in this manner. Uh, if Andy is the father of the invitation, uh, I would have to assume that my leader, Jeremiah Vault, pastor of Agape Chicago, is the grandfather of that invitation. And I'm sure there's something that uh, is connected there. Uh, but if Jeremiah is the grandfather of that invitation, my roots are here at Evanston Bible Fellowship. I first cut my preaching chops uh, right here, so to speak, at Evanston Bible Fellowship. So the great-grandfather of that invitation would have to be the elder board at that time. So I want to thank the elder board of Evanston Bible Fellowship. And I want to mention them by name. It's uh, Jerry Klinkner, uh, Tinshaw, uh, Jerry Bogatz, and Tom Mason. Uh, those guys saw something, and they invited me during the interim pastor stage uh, to preach in that rotation. So uh, it, was, it was very good. It was a very good experience. I also know your pastor, Jason Lancaster. We had the opportunity when he came on. I was at Evanston Bible Fellowship, and we had the opportunity to build a quick relationship, and we built that relationship on some time out on the street. Uh, I had created a, a track, so to speak, uh, that announced, why did Jesus get the crap beat out of him? And we hit the streets and passed that out, and we invited people over to my house and to sit down and talk about that. And it's odd that I would stand here before you talking about just that on this Good Friday. So Andy invites me in, and I find out later that it is a meditation. So I say, Andy, listen, I'm a scream and yell preacher. I, I, meditation, I got a little bit nervous. And then he says, well, we're looking for about 20 minutes. Well, Andy, I'm a 40-minute preacher. And, and, and then he says, and then I say, he says, well, be yourself. Well, I'm a scream and yell preacher. I'm a 40-minute preacher. How can I be myself? Nevertheless, I will confine myself to the parameters that have been set, and we will indeed meditate. <clears throat> I will be, you meditate, I'll preach, okay? <clears throat> if I were to say to you, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And we've all heard that before, except for the person who'll come up to me after the service and say, man, that's some great poetry. Why, how, where did you get that from? But we've all heard that before, and we've heard it many, many times before. And, and that's kind of what a Good Friday message can be like. We're not going to hear anything that we haven't heard before. So, if we came here tonight looking for some high-minded theology, we'll leave here with what we came in with because high-minded theology is not what Good Friday is about. 
we came here out of a sense of obligation or to check a box, well, we can consider the obligation filled and the box checked, but we will leave here with the same thing that we came in with because that's not what Good Friday is about. If we came here to be entertained, as, as good as the worship band was tonight, if we came here to be entertained, we just might be, maybe, in this 20 minutes, but we'll leave here with what we came with Because entertainment is not what Good Friday is about. But if we came here with a humble heart, with an open heart, with a heart that is ready to face the dark sin and the deep brokenness, as painful as it might be, if we came here with a heart that is prepared to allow the message of the cross to enter it in spite of whatever is going on in our lives, I am persuaded that we will leave here tonight like a broken Humpty Dumpty couldn't leave the foot of that wall. We will leave here all put together again. Because Good Friday, Good Friday is really about what heart you bring to the message of Christ. Pray with me as we prepare our hearts. Father, you know our condition. We know our condition. Give us grace to allow your message, this this gospel, this, this freedom message to pierce our hearts and to draw us to you. Prompt us, Lord God, to pin our sins to the cross to give our heart to Christ and to leave here, Lord God, living out the rest of the story in Christ to the glory of your name. Touch our hearts to do that tonight, Lord. In the name of your precious Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, John 19, 28, As Jesus hung on the cross in the final stages of death, he knew what was going on. And that the Father's will was being done perfectly on earth as it was planned in heaven in eternity. Jesus had been betrayed by a friend, arrested, slapped, spat upon, whipped until the raised flesh on his back quivered like jello in a breeze. A crown of thorn had been jammed down into his head. He was forced to carry his own cross and finally pinned to it with nails, nine inch, they say. And he was raised up, not real high like we imagine. But he's just raised up about three feet off the ground. To onlookers, he was as close as a mannequin in a department store window. Very real. Up close. Personal. Why a cross? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why a cross. Maybe it's 
just the method of execution that they used in the time that he lived. Had he lived in another time, perhaps he would have been boiled in water or oil or tar or acid or wax or wine or molten lead or locked in a box with live rats to eat his flesh or vertically impaled on a a sharp stick to slide down to his death. Or perhaps sawed in half lengthwise while hanging upside down, spread eagle. You know, we hear about the cross so much that we forget that Jesus, real flesh, real blood, real human body was going through real physical pain, real emotional pain, real suffering. And we minimize that. We, we sanitize it even. In our passage, Jesus had just emerged from three hours of darkness where he felt both the wrath of God and separation from God. And Jesus said seven things while he was on the cross. They're known as the seven words from the cross. He thought of other people, of those who crucified him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. To the thief who believed, he said, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. To his mother, woman, here is your son. To his disciple, here is your mother. He thought of his relationship with the father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Finally, he thought of himself. He thought of his body. Someone gave him a drink that would neither satisfy him physically nor satisfy his soul. And in John 19.30, he thought of the work that was created in advance for him to do. It is finished. And then he bowed his head and willfully of his own accord gave up his spirit. Bible says that he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. And with that, with that death, the sin of all mankind was paid for. It is finished. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Finished? Well, wait a minute, Jesus. You can't be finished. There's still sin. There's still pride and envy and anger and selfishness and lust and greed, all of that divisive stuff, not to mention sickness and and sorrow and death. The cross can't be what creation in the fall was all about. This cross can't be what God's people... And God's law was headed toward. This cross can't be what the prophets were talking about. 
If it's finished at the cross, Jesus, then all the wars and slavery and the Holocaust and 9-11 and all the bombings would, would have never happened, not to mention cancer, polio, tuberculosis, and AIDS. No, never. If it is finished at the cross, there wouldn't be so many people saying, why can't we all just get along? Wait, Jesus, over here, Jesus, I'm the chief of sinners. Over there, Jesus, <laughs> there's one. There's one. There's one. Finished? It can't be finished. What do we do with all of our stuff? What, what do we do with all of our sin? Because if we're honest, if we're honest, we have to admit that we are terribly sinful people. Terribly broken creatures. Listen, humanity has built great civilizations. We have conquered life-threatening diseases. We have created beautiful works of art and thought-provoking literature. We have achieved scientific and technological advances that make the head spin. And if you're not a cynic, we have a genuine capacity for nobility and generosity and courage and self-sacrifice. But if we're honest, even though we're blessed in so many ways, we are still terribly broken creatures. We are full of pride and envy and anger and selfishness and lust and greed and a whole bunch of other stuff. And if you don't think so, let me add that we have a knack for denial and delusion. <laughs> it borders on the eerie. And it's always been that way. It's like, it's like it's in our genes. It's in our genetic code. And every now and then, and maybe this is a moment for you, every now and then, our conscience, that, that sweet little light, life-giving wisdom that God has created and, and put into our heart, every now and then, our conscience, when it's not crowded out by all the clamor of our family and our teachers and our trainers and our coaches and our professors and our mentors and our pastors telling us how wonderful we are, every now and then, come to realize we are broken on such a deep level, we can't be put back together again. Not even by those who love us. Because of the fall, we are humpty dumpty broken. And we can only be put together again by taking our sins to the cross. And it's nothing against the people who love us so and want the best for us. But here, the honest thing is that you don't send the king's horses or the king's men, for that matter, to do the job that only the king can do. We need true healing. We need real forgiveness. We need a new identity. We need new life. 
when Adam broke God's command, everybody, everybody got infected with sin. And when God the Father, the creator who imagined all that there is and spoke it by the power of his word and made it happen and holds it together by his will, when God the Father expressed his love for us by pouring his wrath out, his righteous judgment on his son, Jesus Christ, sin's grip on humanity was broken, snapped. When Jesus died on that cross, we were all set free because God reconciled the world through him not counting people's sins against them. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. We were crucified with Christ. We were raised with Christ, and now we live in Christ. Jesus. Jesus took our punishment for us. We've already paid for our sins, friend. Jesus took our punishment. Here, let me put it into perspective for you. When you pay off your car, do you start the payments all over again? When you pay off your mortgage, do you go back to year one and start paying for 30 years again? When you pay off your student loans, oh, paid off, do you start paying for that again? Oh, So when Jesus says, it is finished, he means that it is finished then, it is finished now, and it always will be finished. And it's really easy to forget that. Because we're constantly bombarded from every side in every direction with sin. And when we're not bombarded with it, we're swimming in it by choice. Sin's desire is to change us into sinful beings who operate out of sinfulness and do to others what others have done to us. And this spreads through the human race like wildfire disease. And every one of us, every one of us comes here tonight with some baggage. Every one of us comes here tonight with something that they can pin to the cross. What have you operated out of pride about? Are you the center of the world in some occasions, some relationships? Is it all about you? How about envy? We all want something that somebody else has or owns. Do you remember the last time you were envious? Think about that. Meditate on that. How about anger? Lost your cool? Found out you lost your cool for no reason? Wife, child, friend, professor, grade, boss? Who'd you get mad at? About selfishness. It's another pride thing. It's all about me. What are you doing for me? 
When are you going to get that for me? When are you going to buy that for me? It's all about me. You should serve me. What about my feelings? It's all about me. When's the last time you operated out of selfishness? Lust? Mm. We're swimming in it because we're swimming in a world of lust. You can't not get wet. It's out there. That's something that you can pin to the cross. How about greed? Oh, we always say, oh, we don't have as much as that person, so we're okay. But look how much we have compared to that person. <laughs> Relativism doesn't work that way for us, does it? No, we want stuff. We're greedy. We can take these things to the cross. And people have hurt us with these things, and we have hurt others with these things, and we can all take it to the cross of Jesus Christ and pin it there and leave it there. We need to forgive the hurt that others have put on us, and we need to ask our Lord and Savior, our King, for forgiveness for the hurt that we have put on other people. We need to leave that baggage at the cross. The baggage that we came in here with tonight, we need to leave it at the cross, friends. We need to leave our burdens at the cross and go out there and live the rest of the story. Because the rest of the story, the resurrection of our king, shows that God was in total control and is in total control. Shows that God loves me. Shows that God has justified that the, the sacrifice was good and right, sufficient. Your God says, I love you. Bring your sins to the cross. I poured my wrath out on my son because I loved you. All you need to do is come back, pin your sins to the cross, accept this wonderful avalanche of grace, and go out there and live in Christ. Live the rest of the story. Near the end of the movie, Searching for Bobby Fischer, a preteen chess prodigy is looking over the board in a championship match, and he sees what his opponent and no one else sees. He sees victory. But it's something like 15 or, or 20 moves away. Everyone else thinks the game is still going on. But it's not. It's over. It's finished. And the kid knows it. So he reaches over the board, offering his hand and a draw to his opponent. That act itself, gracious and victorious. His opponent declines. From that point on, it's just a matter of time. Sometimes we think the game is still going on. That, that we've lost to sin or that we're still battling this thing. But it's not. It's over. It was finished 2,000 years ago at the cross. The resurrection is the rest of the story. The sacrifice was sufficient. As you obediently walk in the work that God has created for you to do in advance as you go out and live the rest of the story. 
obedient to your king, not everyone is going to like what you're doing. Not everyone is going to like why you're doing it. Not everyone's going to like how you're doing it. You may lose some of your pieces. You may lose all your pieces. You, you may fall the pieces. But you will always have your king. Because Jesus will rise. He has risen. He lives. He's open arms waiting for you to drop your sins at the foot of the cross and find mercy and grace in your time of need. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that the punishment that we deserve rested upon our Lord and Savior, King Jesus. And we are grateful, Lord God, that having been crucified with him, we now live in him and live for him. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.